<laughs> well, hello folks, and welcome to We The Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT victorious, the Nations League champions, the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm very tired. <laughs> and we <laughs> love these Nets. Oh God! Let's go, boys! Yes, we do. History, 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 baby! It's we the peeps. It's we the peeps. Welcome to we the peeps. Are you ready for we the peeps? Holy moly, it's we the peeps. Folks, the game was none other than Nations League Final versus none other than Mexico, USA, Mexico. Another one for the books. Already, it was historic to begin with. Uh, it was always going to matter to us. And oh my lanta. Unforgettable. Did we get served up a treat last night. Good lord. This game had absolutely everything. If you... Just watch the highlights, you missed the whole thing. Uh, get your Fubo account now, right now, and restream this game. This was, this US-Mexico game felt like history the entire time, and let me tell you folks, we came out victorious in what feels to me, uh, spoiler alert, like a historic turning point in this in this program. So we're gonna talk about all of it. If there There are so many things that happened in this game that we will probably miss something. So reach out to us on Twitter for whatever we forgot and whatever crazy ass thing happened in this game that we forget to talk about today, please mention it to us on Twitter at WTP pod. We need that, we love that, we love that conversation. Make sure as well to uh, reach out to us on uh, Patreon. Please support us there for five bucks. We had a, a couple new patrons in the past couple weeks Patreon. and that makes a huge difference. Patreon and um, uh, rate and review us five stars, please. All that type of stuff. Uh, and then the very last thing in housekeeping, folks, is the way to uh, get everything live is by joining us on YouTube, folks. Yesterday, between uh, for the duration of this game, we were live on YouTube with some of you guys chatting it up, chilling. It was incredible, and we were so grateful to have shared that moment. So subscribe to the YouTube to get all this content unedited, raw, and slightly shittier than you're used to having it on iTunes. <laughs> iTunes, but you'll get it right away. Instant gratification, you'll always know. And then you can listen to the nicely edited, pruned version later. And of house are keeping. There's only one way, time. Swish, swish, swish. There's only one way. Line them up, Diego. Line them up. Get out there, boys. Get out there. USA versus Mexico. Nations League final. Both gloves. All the gloves. For now. To Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen gets the start here. I'm gonna fire through this. We got DeAndre Yedlin showing up. Greg Berhalter comes in with a back three or five, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he replaces a, a three players from the starting lineup in the semifinals. So the back line we got to see was DeAndre Yedlin, Mark McKenzie, John Brooks, Tim Ream, and then Serginho Destino. Uh, you can imagine that turned into a back four a lot of the time. Uh, in the midfield, we got to see. Weston McKinney, Kellen Acosta uh, gets the start and then up front we had the front three of Gio, Reyna, Josh Sargent and Christian Captain 
Captain Christian Pulisic, a porcelain prince. Captain America is your boy. Folks, uh, this game would start out rough. Immediately, first thing that happened in this game is that Mexico, Tecatito Corona, would take advantage of a Mark McKenzie mistake. one nothing. U.S. starts out one nothing. Really bad mistake. Bad giveaway out of the bag. Bad giveaway, and it wasn't the first bad giveaway in the sequence. There was an, another from Kellen Acosta, yeah. so don't only blame Mark McKenzie for this. And Zach Steffen, yeah, he's your boy, but you could have maybe saved that. He could have maybe saved that. He could have maybe saved that. I'm just saying. Uh, but... So, so one nothing U.S. It's looking bad. Ty and I are like, I, I don't know about you, Ty, but I'm on, I'm live on YouTube. Like, this is gonna be embarrassing. This is gonna be rough. Um, totally, totally. Lots of concern. Yeah. Lots of concern. The back five. And we had the most at right. stake. Uh, and we had the most. You and yeah, I, you and me, Ty yeah, and Clayton. Yeah. Yes, we have the most yeah. at stake of anyone here. Not Ethan Horvath for sure. Uh, Mark it's McKenzie. Us. Nor yeah. nor Greg Berhalter. Mark McKenzie calls up. He's like, "Sorry guys." <laughs> Sorry guys. The next goal is going to be Gio Reyna's goal in the twenty seventh. It was all Mexico until much, then. Yeah, it looked like Mexico, the U.S. Yeah. didn't have yeah, any. Did, wasn't able to find a footing in this game. Uh, there was a decent uh, save, I believe. Um, for from uh, in the 24th minute but anyways point is reyna would find the equalizer uh in this one 18 year old giovanni reyna both parents in the stands we got to watch those parental reactions and oh my lanta did was that waterworks. Uh, heart it was waterworks oh baby got dusty um this got was real uh, dusty real dusty worth noting this is off a penalty kick so we uh, that's going to be a theme here for off, us. A, off a corner off a corner corner i mean and off, then a, off a corner kick off the post yep so it's Weston off the post, Reyna in the right place, Ander then. Uh, so we're, we're coming up to halftime. This is when Stefan has his nicest save. Mm -hmm. So we end up going 1-1 into the half. We come back from the half. Somehow, uh, Weston McKenney's going to get a couple chances, and Zach Stefan is going to get injured. And that, I, 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 I haven't looked it up. Uh, Ty, did you get any facts about what the injury is? It seemed like non-contact. I, I didn't see any more detail. Maybe knee, he just tweaked it. Knee region yeah, situation knee region. that he Not tried to fight, he tried to fight for a while and couldn't. So, Ethan Horvath comes into this game, and or then, and or then, Diego Linez comes into this game. So the first sub in this game is for Diego Linez. Mexican Wunderkind. Oh, Mexican Wunderkind. This guy scores in like two minutes. Changes the game. It's two to one. He, he just he just posterizes Tim Ream, I think, right? On, he on totally to posterizes yeah. Tim Ream. Uh, scores on Ethan Horvath, who had just come into this, who had been taking a nap until now, comes into this game fresh and gets scored on immediately. So US is down 2-1, um, and then, and then, and then, uh, Weston McKenney. So we got to, we started to get to see some subs. Weston McKenney's gonna get the leveler off of yet another corner kick, uh, but Weston McKenney really, by, by this point, although having a relatively quiet game, had really racked up the chances and he finally put one away. So we tie it up. Two to two. We go in to extra time. Uh, just, I believe there was a Mexico chance right at the last second there. We make it barely into extra time. No goals in the first half of extra time. Pulisic in the second half of extra time. Oh, did I mention Tyler Adams is now in this game and Eunice Musa is not in this game still somehow. somehow. Reggie and Cannon is now, in the game. Eunice Musa is and, not. 
and we have abandoned the back three. Tim Ream is now playing left back. Serginio Dest is out, and we're playing four in the back with Tyler Adams at the sixth from the 80th minute forward. No goals in the first period of extra time. Second period of extra time, Pulisic wins a penalty kick uh, from a couple drib dribs. It's debatable. It's debatable. debatable. It's tight. But at worst, we can say Pulisic concacafs the shit out of Mexico in the second period of extra time, wins this penalty kick. Tyler Adams shields everyone. Uh, The Mexican players are trying to psych him out. Tyler Adams is shielding Pulisic. Pulisic tracer beams this shot he fucking like laces this motherfucker uh, somehow it's cur- it curves like a juninho free after, kick after after the game he's like he's like i was just thinking uh i didn't want to let the chance go to waste so i was just going to put a top bins top bins baby <laughs> top Pulisic, bins indeed top bins <laughs> oh, so Pulisic laces this lashes it somehow uh, oh, and by the way, Tata Martino has just received a red card for touching the referee while the referee is trying to figure out the video replay situation. Inappropriate touching. Tata. One which, one which Tata ignores completely. It just remains on the field somehow. Uh, so it's 3-2, and then Mexico gets a penalty kick chance. Mexico gets a penalty kick chance. And, and Horvath comes up with the save off of like a pretty mediocre penalty kick attempt. Yes. The U.S. would win, would come out of this game victorious 3-2, Hi, I'm reeling. I'm trying to keep up with all this. What were your first impressions? So I want to go back and talk about the game itself. But one other mm-hmm. important piece of backdrop to me to last night was that it was D-Day. And for anyone who doesn't know their their World War II history, this is the the day when the Allies, including the United States, the UK, Canada, and others, uh, invaded Europe to take control of Europe from Nazi Germany. And it's one of the most important single turning points in the history of mankind. So yesterday we remembered all of the the sacrifices that were made in order to fight against uh, tyranny and hatred and prejudice and create a more just world. And if you enjoy watching the U.S. national team, if you enjoy watching the World Cup, remember that those things are not possible without a, a free and cooperative world. So the, the sacrifices that those people made, is, it's, it's unbelievable. The bravery is unbelievable. The leadership is incredible. And to me, there is a connection with this team because sports in some ways replaces war in our modern society. And I think a lot of the time, the things that we're looking for from our team are the things that we venerate in our military and in the, in the sort of very best version of, of what that can be. So when you, you know, there, of course, there's no equivalency in heroism between uh, athletes and, and, you know, people who storm beaches at, at great loss of life. But the, the things that we admire in those kind of actions are qualities that we actually saw in this game. And so I thought it was incredibly appropriate and beautiful that you had this, this gritty, determined, passionate, also skilled, intelligent U.S. performance on a day like D-Day. And it, it embodies a certain type of Americanism that we should not lose in the process of becoming a great soccer team. So let's become a great soccer team while also 
keeping the the legacy of of that American tradition. Mm. Ty, what a beautiful sentiment. Um, as of today, I now announce yesterday as a national holiday. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, apparently it already was. Uh, okay. So this is our D-Day. This is our D-Day. We're, we're in this right now. This And it felt like a turning point. It felt like a turning point uh, for this program. So how much more appropriate could it possibly be? Ty, that's a beautiful reminder of the greater context. Let's get a little more myopic let's, from there. Let's get into so, it. So there's so many things in that recap that we missed. So we recapped I mean, the, this, the facts. We recapped some things. But let's spend a few minutes here just sifting through this in no particular order. And let's just popcorn some other things that made this night yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to go chronological so I don't forget as much as possible. So basically the game starts out with, first of all, uh, Clint Dempsey in the booth again. Uh, who's the deuce. Wonderful. The Deuce. Dempsey, Onyewu, Charlie Davies, and Kate Abdo are all-stars. And then they have yeah. Janelli Farias come in to talk about the Mexico team, who chops it up with them perfectly and, like, fits in and is awesome and has the yeah. banter and everything. Yeah, she was and incredible. And they're, they're doing a great job. Charlie Davies goes down to the field to present the trophy as, like, a representative of the U.S. program and does the stanky leg on the field to great applause, uh, which I think I think definitely definitely helped the Nats on the night. <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> <a> solid contribution. <laughs> that was that is one of the coolest things I've seen in a US shirt was Charlie Davies scoring at Azteca and then doing a freaking like TikTok dance. <laughs> He's so, so. He is so far ahead of his time. He was like injury prone before Al. They made up was. TikTok in order to show that video. Yeah. <laughs> so so Charlie Davies, uh, legend. Good job. The broadcast. Lil, was Lil Nas X is like I learned a lot from Charlie Davies <laughs> yeah, growing up. Exactly. Yeah. At different points, but we can just cover the broadcast. So yeah. they're they're wonderful. At different points during the broadcast, um, Kate Abdo points out that Aguchi uh, on Yewu's little. Uh, binder thing that he has with his notes has a calculator built into it like something that uh, an executive would have in the 80s and Clint Dempsey immediately grabs it and starts clowning on Onyewu going Onyewu in the course of bantering he he jokingly threatens to choke out Janelli Farias let's be very clear about what like that that sounds a little bit worse than what happened. So the words that happened was... He said, yeah, he said, he, he said, Janelli Faria said something about the, the Mexico team. Uh, and Gucci Onyewu basically said, oh yeah, if you think that, I'm going to choke you out. Kind of so, as like, like, uh, hey, we're going to, we're not going to be cool after this. If, you know, he was trying to express some sort of like jokey sentiment like that, like, friendly rivalry between the U.S. and Mexico, and it went way too far, especially if you're like a 6'4", 220-pound dude on That's national right. television. Speak, speaking, cool. to a, speaking to a broadcaster who's being introduced to the audience, currently yeah, being exactly, introduced to the exactly. audience, right? Yeah, the only me re Mexican representative that, right, right. That's a per, it's, a, it's a perfect case study of, of um, what not to do when broadcasting. I think they'll use that clip in the training training videos next yes, time. Like, yes. this will be funny over beers, guys. But to uh, zoom ahead, yes. after the game, on the broadcast, Onyewu insisted on having a moment to apologize in person directly to Janelli. And Lovely. it was super sincere and... and uh, open, honest. So it was like, to me, it was like a perfect case study and like how we can de deal with this stuff because Oguchi Onyewu should get to broadcast future games. He should not get, he should not get 
you know, uh, banned because he made a mistake. He made a yeah. mistake. He apologized for it immediately. You know, Kate Abdo was was uh, was talking about Anya Wu's character and and you know, uh, kind of confirming the intention and the the vibe of the situation. And so I thought that was a beautiful moment as well. They also had someone attack the set. <laughs> I guess so. We couldn't figure out who this fan was trying to get to. If yeah, it was yeah. Kate it was Abdo, like kind of a diagonal behind it was, all yeah. of them. Was it just to get on TV? I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe it was all for us, Ty. I don't know. Maybe it was all for but us. So, maybe so it was a, a uh, WTP so the, head. It was so Josh Kronz in the building. It's Josh Kronz. <laughs> the fan is uh, dangerously close to Kate Abdo and and everyone else. Um, everyone's in danger. But in this we situation. protect Kate Abdo. And but but yeah. At and all so, costs. A, a Gucci on Yewu, a man who is we're like trashing on on gooch right now <laughs> uh, but a man who who is who is uh, a legendarily good and strong and powerful defender of things, an enforcer uh, an, yeah. an, an enforcer let's say um t- it takes a notable uh lean back away <laughs> from this from this situation as it's unfolding so oh very little God. uh defender instincts in that moment so Gooch, not 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 your finest hour, but we want you back, and and it was it, you're you're an important part of what was an amazing. He was, he was amazing. He he's so insightful. I love hearing the way that they talk about the team because I feel like they're, it it was so unvarnished compared to what we typically get, and and I, I was I was just super impressed. So. Love the broadcast. And Mo was yeah, great. Mo was great. It's well. starting to feel like uh, watching Madden broadcast as a kid. Like, this guy's hilarious. He says funny things. And apparently he was a legendary player. And that's like... like It has, yeah, it has vibes of like inside yeah. the NBA, which really shook up the NBA coverage where it's more banter oriented. It's kind of like the... It's like a sanitized version of the locker room conversation that would be going on. Yeah. You know, about... Or yeah. the conversation that's happening on the bench about what's going on on the field. So, so we love that. Uh, so I love that. That really added to the experience for me. They all survived. Fans gone. They all survived. Let's keep... Let's yes. keep... By the way, there are fans. Let's oh, start with that. So fans and so, VAR. Two huge things that... Fans and VAR, We couldn't yeah. quite decipher if this is the first time the U.S. has ever played with VAR. Maybe in the semifinal and it wasn't used. We're... we're not 100% sure, but the point is, same thing with the fans. Maybe there there were a few fans and a couple friendlies, but this felt like the first game that this team has played with real VAR um, relevance in terms of the competition and with fans affecting the converse- competition. So let's start with that totally. fan conversation. The fans affected this a lot. Totally, yes. Literally. Literally. So they, they interrupted the broadcast. There was streakers. There was like, there was uh, beer bottles. There was homophobic chants. There was like everything you can imagine. What I, what, what, what's going to stick in my mind when, when I remember fans being here is, is the image uh, that is, is the mental image I have of the goal celebration uh, after Pulisic scores. I believe so beers being just tossed onto the field left and right. Um, all kinds of projectiles, people getting hurt. Uh, including Reyna gets hit in the head with a cup at some point that looks like a paper cup, but maybe there was something really heavy in it because his reaction was all crazy. Like, it's like you really got hit with in the a head. Brick in it. It's a paper <laughs> cup with a brick in it. Um, yeah, Ty, what what comes to mind for you from this game? Some events with the fans. So it just reminded us of what we were missing during this COVID period because we've gotten to watch. I I consider last year's Champions League bubble one of the greatest sporting events I've seen. I mean, it was so crisp, so dramatic, so pure. You can hear the players 
talk, yelling at each other, you can hear that they're able to fully execute their game plan with no outside influences. It's beautiful. But when you have fans involved, there's this whole other dimension to the game. I mean, it's, it's beyond just being like a spiritual 12th man. There's literal interaction. You know, the fans could have caused the game to be postponed with this, with this chant that the CONCACAF is rightly cracking down on. The fans literally injured a U.S. player. I mean, the fans entered the field. The fans entered the broadcast. So this was like, it was rowdy and wild. And we had, we had uh, uh, at least one WTP fan there last night. Shout out, Alexander. And What's up, Alexander? He sent us, sent us a picture. And I'm, I would love to find out on Twitter, like, what the vibe was there. Ugh. One thing I read on, uh, I read on Twitter reminded me that the, usually for big games in Europe, like if they're, if they're playing uh, Schalke Dortmund or something, they play it at noon so that the fans can't be as drunk at that point. You can only and this get game so drunk. was, it was like 9, 9 p.m. Eastern was the stated broadcast start. Actual kickoff was like 9.40. Game so you show up, goes you show up drunk, you get you to your seat, you drunk. realize you have to pee, you, you get finish drunker peeing, and drunker and drunker. You get drunker and because the game goes an extra yet. hour. I mean, there was soccer being played until like 12.45 in the morning, East Coast. So ridiculous. So it was it was rowdy and I and crazy and and stupid, but I loved it. It, it was it was a, it was something I definitely missed, and it, it yeah. was appropriate for a match that was this wild. So the yeah, seeing fans was huge. You could feel it, and it and it reminds you of the the drama, as Ty was saying. Um, if you if you missed it, yeah, it, there's this, there's the homophobic chant, which the game was stopped for a bunch of minutes for the amount of extra, the amount of added time in this game was like huge. Um, what, any other fan interactions to talk to, about before we move to VAR throughout this? Yeah, game? related to, uh, the segue between that and VAR is the extracurricular or like off the field card, which is, which I love. So, so oh. for anyone who doesn't realize this. From the time you enter the stadium, the referee can card you. Huh. So any, any member of the, the formal member of the team and, and staff. This is players, coaches, trainers, anybody. And so um, during one of the VAR decisions, Tata Martinez, who's one of the best coaches in... Uh, I, I think he's a, he's, a top, he's a top-tier coach. He, he was the best coach in MLS when he was in MLS. Went to Mexico. He's done a great job there. He, uh, he, he has coached Argentina. He's coached Barcelona. Real deal. Yeah. He comes over to the referee and kind of drapes an arm over his shoulder as the referee is looking at the, the potential Pulisic penalty. And the referee immediately turns around and is like, bro, you cannot touch me while I'm in this booth. Like, I don't know straight what's going red. on behind me. There's crazy shit going on. all like, Straight red. Dude, straight red. So Tata has gets ejected, but does acts as if it's like a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you silly goose! That would be so funny if you kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, oh yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna move out next month. He was like, For <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. like, yeah, after the game, I'm out of here. He's like, no, he was like, no, I have the rent. No, I, I have it, bro. Let me, I I'll got get it. it to I you. already I got, got it. it. We're good though. We're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good. So Tata just doesn't go out. Um, doesn't. And you have to think, you you know, I'm wondering now, like, what are the chances of 
if Tata doesn't do that, right? You think about the, the, the referee's perspective. He's trying to decide if this is a penalty. It's hard to tell. And then he's, he's deathly afraid because of the chaos due to fans and just the whole Completely. event. Deathly afraid. Um, gets touched on the back, turns around, sees the Mexican coach, cards him. The Mexican coach laughs in his face. Tata laughs in his face. The ref turns back to the screen to then make this decision and gives us the penalty. It's a, it's a gray area call on this penalty, I think. Do it's you, very much a gray area way? call, but if you, want, if you want the referee to shade your way, I mean, don't aggress on them, you know, don't pressure them. That's, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so he, 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 he got what he earned, he, he earned what he, he got. Did us a, he, he earned, earned what, he, what got. he got. He did us a little favor there. Um, let's see. So, so, so yeah, that's the VAR situation. It was like, there was the, there was the handball that didn't there seem, three, there was like three a crazy incidents. ass. All right. What were the three? Three incidents. There was the offside in the yep. first half. So this was, would have put Mexico up to zero. Yes. It was called a goal on the field and then got pulled back where yep. I think it was Weston who was, was not Weston. on the same page as everybody else did not step yeah. with everybody else Yeah. and made it potentially onside. Yeah. Uh, the second is the U.S. penalty with Pulisic, which we we all agree I think is a fifty percent penalty at best. And then the third is the penalty against uh, Mark McKenzie in the hundred and eighteenth minute. Mark McKenzie, where it it's basically ball to hand. There's not much he could have done about it. But it was because a crazy thing with that replay where the different angles looked like it hit different hands. It re- that totally. replay in yeah, particular was, was like, strange. wow, Looking, there really yeah. are. Is, there's like some, it is very difficult to tell what actually happened. Video Which is part of like, the, that's part of the, the controversy around VAR is that often from the footage, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And so it's still, it leads to, it's, it's like an attempt to perfect a process that can't be perfected, you yeah. know. And yeah. what Char- Charlie Davies made the point on the broadcast that like the goal of VAR was to overturn clear and obvious mistakes. So Not like to, yeah. you c- the ref the ref needs to call it the way they see it, and if they make some grave error, they have this backup plan that they can look at it and they can overturn. Yeah, it. yeah. Right. It's not supposed to be like I wasn't sure, so let me make sure I get the exact precise. It was never to supposed to be an I'm not outcome. sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, it tool. wasn't supposed to be a default plan. It's like, supposed oh, let to be a make sure that they will make, we'll, yeah, we'll make the a, decision on video like that. I, I fully agree with that notion. I, I personally, what I wish it was is not VAR, but a fifth official who is just watching the game on TV mm. and who just says, who just says, look like a pen. <laughs> right. Because the whole point is when the whole point is that the fan experience is at times way more accurate than the referee's perspective. Correct. There are exactly. Moments when I that mean, and, and that, that's natural. Like, Someone sitting right behind the goal is going to have a good angle on a lot of things that the referee might not see. And someone yeah. sitting in the corner, like all the way in the nosebleeds, is going to have a good angle on certain things as well. So it's, it, it just, I would just try to allow there to be more referees who have access to more of that. Right. You know, and, and I was actually thinking of the fans at home. So like if the Premier League is decided by a shitty red card, everyone who watched it on TV is the reason there's controversy. Exactly. There should never the, the be those situations, right, where... Everyone in the world knows that it was a red, except right. the refs. You so, know what I mean? 
so we're we're agreed that uh, and the, and that's why I like that idea is give the ref the same experience as the people who are going to cause drama and a problem. Totally and, totally. and that way, you know, even if everyone in the universe is wrong about the call, at least we're all wrong together right, on the same right, right, on the same right, grounds. Exactly. And this whole like every angle of the video, I'm not sure I'm just going to watch TV for 10 minutes in this game. That shit's got to stop. And the um, the the second thing with the VAR is that they did not I don't know if they're supposed to or allowed to, but they did not come back to any of the like potential yellow card decisions so there was there was at Dude. least one yellow for the u.s i think it was mckenzie that was like really soft and then hector herrera ace ace came in hot in. on way in, in uh, i think that was in extra time all the studs and he that was that was an on orange yellow. card that was an orange card minimum yellow and i'm not i'm i'm trying as best i can to not be biased here but it's it's studs up it's like he touches the ball, but mainly he just cleans out Wea. And the other, the crazy thing about that is his, tr so he gets what he hits, he touches the ball first, which is why it doesn't get called. Then his, his first foot, the one that got to the ball, he then uses to uh, shove studs into the ankles of Tim Wea, the, uh, the future of the world, not just the U.S. national team, <laughs> the world. Uh, and then with his trailing leg also studs up into Wea's other ankle. He got both studs to two, two, two ankles. ankles, two ankles. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how is this? It's, okay. it's some next level. That's that's it's high level. That high level accuracy. It's so hard to get one of those to happen. Okay. Anyways. Um, so, so I, I'm like, you know what? How can we not get these kind of things right too? But, but again, I, I'm fine with it. If it's one approach, like, are we going for clear and obvious or are we trying to get every detail right? And I, I feel like that still hasn't been, been locked in. I just want to. I want this to be a simpler and clearer yeah. process. But overall, so, I mean, as a U.S. fan, you have to be happy with how it all it all panned out. Mainly due to this Horvath save. Oh my God! So the Horvath save. Uh, you were telling me a little bit before. So this is an enormous day for Horvath. Uh, obviously, obviously, it's an enormous day for the whole team. This is a life changing moment uh, for Ethan Horvath. So let's go ahead and talk about him before we talk about some of these other. Some of these other legends uh, that showed up last night, because Horvath has not gotten the time of day, not on this show, not in most conversations about this team, uh, except for Scuffed. Shout out Scuffed, uh, who they fucking stan Horvath and done been standing Horvath. But no one talks about Horvath. Today, this was Horvath's day. Uh, Ty, you mentioned the interview that he, he had after the game. Maybe that's a good entry point to the Horvath conversation. Absolutely. We, yeah. Uh, we'll go back in time. So he's interviewed after the game and he's like, he's so sheepish. And so he might not be comfortable, you know, speaking on camera. He's that kind of personality. And he's had, um, this, this last year, he had a moment for his club team Bruges, where he came into a champions league game. Uh, because of an injury to the number one, Simone Mignolet, and he helped get them through to the the uh, knockouts. Or it was like a, I don't remember exactly, but it was like a big win for the team. And um, after that, he was just weeping. I mean, the the emotion that this guy is so intense, and he he was just saying like he hadn't seen his family in a year, and you know he's a, he's a young kid who's over in in this challenging circumstance. He gets bumped down to being a number two. He's been through been through a lot in the last 18 months and so and after the game he says first of all uh denver is his hometown so Ugh. can you imagine you're coming off i'm presuming there's there's friends and family there he finally gets the chance to come into a game and he ends up being the match winner essentially in his hometown it's it's a fairy tale and 
<laughs> the last question the interviewer has is, what's your drink of choice? Because uh, you earned one tonight. And he goes, well, I don't drink alcohol, so um, maybe like a cola, like a Pepsi Max. <laughs> <laughs> and Kate Abdo is like, get this guy a Pepsi Max. <laughs> get this man a Pepsi Max now. <laughs> so he's like, oh. he's just like so wholesome and, and lovely. And, do, and, and uh Seems like a this. seems like a great dude. So I'm super happy for him. Dempsey was also saying that he, from you know from the perspective of someone who has had this kind of thing happen, he said his phone's going to be blowing up. He's a free agent in a month, and sky's the limit. So I I, I really hope this becomes part of what catapults him to uh, a better situation because he's just done nothing but perform. I mean, he had in, for the U.S. he had that one howler. He had the one howler Two where he became a 3D hologram. And Since the 3D hologram. Since then, yeah. he's been stellar anytime he's come in. Yeah. Uh, and for his club team, I mean, as far as I can tell, anytime he plays, he does well. He just He's not as good as Simone Mignolet, or he's not as as much of a coach's favorite as Simone Mignolet, which is, he's, you know, that's, that's a that's thing. That's a tough like, beat, dog. That's tough. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a tough. bad beat. He's probably yeah. one of the best backup goalkeepers in the world, so... I would say he, he has very much earned the chance to, to be the guy somewhere, and it's great. There's no problem with us having a goalkeeper controversy because that, that pushes both of them to, to do their best and push themselves in their career so that they can stake a claim to that uh, U.S. number one jersey. It's a great thing. Competition is good. Haven't we landed on such a sh- sort of strange duo here? So Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath are oh, both... Oh, they're so, so different. They're, yeah. they're so different, and they're both socially odd. If they're both, there's something, and I guess that's a goalkeeper thing, but you know, Tim Howard, he, Tim Howard has had his weirdsies and Guzan had his weirdsies, but both of those guys are like, G are like C-suite executive types, you know, that you just see like, they're both very, um, sort of, yeah, external world ready. And what we're watching with Horvath and Stefan are like two otaku, like stay home, play video games all day type people. (laughs) But Stefan is like, you know, more like the shiny jock with the with the uh, the jawline or whatever, with the nice bone structure. And uh, and Horvath is like the Dungeons and Dragons guy with the fanny pack in the front. That's and but they're both like strange. And Stefan's like the cool strange, and Horvath is like the weird strange. So it's like, is that an issue? Like, how does it affect the team when the goalkeeper is not like an alpha personality? I, I well, I think that it's goalkeeper is one of those positions that is like sort of a captain's. Uh, yeah. option right so goalkeeper yeah. center back center midfield yes. 10 are like that's like the spine of the team those are those are always kind of the captains or often the captains um i think you need someone in one of those spots uh and when we have because we had john brooks here and often do have john brooks right. you know it doesn't need to be the goalkeeper right. in right. our case and it's not going to be the goalkeeper in our case neither of these guys is ever going to become a tim howard but uh, maybe this is a good segue to talk about some other heroes in this game because we saw a uh, we saw Tyler Adams come in and and do nothing on the ball. He I don't think Pretty he had much a, didn't he touch maybe the ball. he was like yeah a lot, a lot of help defense from yeah. Tyler Adams but he started talking and he started pointing and this team looked very different. Yeah. So I think to answer your question about the shape. yeah leader in leader in, in goal, uh, it's an option. You need them. You need someone of these. You need either your goalkeeper, center back, or six to be that guy. Right. And I as agree. long as and yeah. and so it looked that way when Tyler Adams came in. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I think it's it's workable as long as you have leadership somewhere else. 
But I, I wouldn't want to have Horvath, McKenzie, and Aaron Yule? Long necessarily. Yeah, maybe Aaron, maybe Aaron Long. Aaron could Long make this work. Aaron Long would be okay. Aaron Long's actually it seems to my eye to be a better marshaller of a defense than Brooks. Brooks is more of a super like solo superhero. Um, yeah, Brooks. And, he's yeah. It's an interesting version of leadership. He's kind of like leadership by default because he's five years older than the other guys, and he's the only yeah, one. He's, and he's <laughs> most of the time. taller too. Um, and he's he's so freaking big. So he but he doesn't lead in a vocal way by any means. He's he's an emotional uh, leader, and he is he leads by example. And he was he was immense again today. I don't think we win the game without without John Brooks, even though he didn't have as many like highlight reel stops as he did against Honduras. Um, he just his influence on the game is tremendous. It was tremendous. His attitude, his focus, uh, and his experience. You know what you don't what what the Brooks's contribution contribution last night is is as much in the things that we didn't see from him as the things that we did see. Totally, we totally, did not yeah. see. I to my memory at the moment, we didn't see a, our our classic Brooks Howler. No, uh, the, the no. easy pass. Did we get um, a Stefan um, mistake, or did he get pulled? We got a, I think we got. There a was Stephen. at least one. I think we we had a Stefan Harden mouth early mouth, game. Yeah, uh, exactly. Moment. So, but, and that, that's a good segue into the the back line, which was kind of the tactical uh, um, crux of of the match early. So, Berhalter I think, came I out. Think, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk defense. We're going to talk defense now, guys. We're going to talk about the fact that Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna scored in this game. And yes, that we'll get to that. That they're we'll superheroes. That. Let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about the defense, though, first. So the, the, a, another time facing Mexico in a crunch match, the U.S. coach decided to go with a back three, or uh, three, three center backs. This has happened the last two crunch situations like or two of the the most recent situations and, i can think of and there's a longer history to it as well if you remember the sarakin fidget spinner was a three back sarakin fidget spinner so and everyone's then going trying. all the way back to the 2002 world cup as well yeah. so time so, you know i've been debating you i've been saying you had a three in the back but last night this has been on your side whatever reason u.s coaches are like perfect that's what we're gonna do klinsman did it bruce arena did it Sarakin did it, and now Berhalter did it. And I hate it. I, I want the, the U.S. team to always play four in the back because the vast majority of the experience that these guys have at international level and at club level is with four in the back. My preference personally is to have a six who is hard and can drop in as a center back to create a five back system when it makes sense or when it's, when it's useful. Namely, if the other team has uh, two strikers up top who are trying to receive possession, or they're, they're, you know, one of their wingers is shading in. That can be a good tactic. But personally, I think just play it straight down the middle. I think the role of the national team coach is just to do simple things and just tweak little things here and there, not to have like a big system or concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but at like in the first half, it was debatable whether it actually was a back five or not. So it often, Dest either by declaration or by independent choice was 20 yards upfield from the rest of the back line. Occasionally he would come back to help, uh, but pretty much he was playing as a winger. And then what that was doing was it was leading to a lot of tactical instability in the team because throughout that entire first half, it seemed like most of the, the, it seemed like a lot of the players didn't know where they needed to be at any given moment. And after we came back from the break in the, in the second half, the back line was very much a four back 
you know, Yedlin to Reem. Reem, obviously not a great left back. We've seen that plenty of times and we don't want to keep seeing this. But at least it seemed like everybody knew their role and knew where they needed to be and what shifts right. needed to happen and right. what our buildup was going to look like and so right. on. And the U.S. became much more tactically structured after that. And I think that really contributed to our success uh, ultimately. Yeah, so I'm with you. I've been I've been fine with the three back experiments, um, and I'm officially sold after last night's game. No more three back, four four in the back every time, and let's be prepared to have a three back look. Like Ty said, I think that makes yeah, a yeah. lot of sense. And you could just see the difference even before Tyler Adams came in. There was there there's a huge difference uh, when players know how to play their positions. Exactly. Uh, sadly, that left the drawing on the whiteboard. Yeah, sadly, that did leave Serginho Dest in a really awkward situation um, for the for that second half. So we didn't really get to see the best of him, um, and he would eventually get subbed out for Tim Weah. The anything else to say on the the back line situation there? I mean, yeah, the Tim Ream. So one another positive thing about that change is that we saw Burhalter make a change at half. So we've that's something that we has right. been really we saw Berhalter actually adjust. So it wasn't something. the change that I wanted, um, but he he does make a change, uh, and that that's a, a a tactical change only. Was there a sub with that? I don't think there so. There was no sub with that, but it 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 uh, congealed like the the changes um, you know combined over the course of the half. So eventually, um, it was Acosta who went out to left back. Reem came off. Thank God. And so uh, and the back line seemed seemed a lot more settled, um, yeah. and the, the the team in general like the, there were moments where the team got a little you know overexcited after that and got got spread out, but the team was much more compact and much more organized, and it was that was very important for us to be successful. The other thing we learned, I mean, again, is just that Tim Ream can't cut it at this level. I mean, he's he's a liability. And was, it, I, I, I love the guy. I think he's a great. He, I think he's he's a good one for those we were, yeah. lower level match, like the the matches where we need to find a goal, where we're going to have eighty percent possession. We need to find a goal. He's perfect because he can collect the ball off of a an average attacker pretty well, put in a decent tackle, and then he can spray a ball upfield very quickly. But in a high pressure match like this, you do not want you do not want Chucky Lozano running at Tim Ream. I and mean, so the, yeah, he just got torched over and over, over and again. over again. He was so clearly being targeted. And Ty and I were joking in the live feed, in like the fan cam uh, during the game yesterday, that the Mexican players must have come on during warmups, and one of them was like. Dude, it's the it's it's the that guy. It's the blonde guy that we shat on last time we played him. He's still he's still here. Like, and when they saw the starting lineup go out, like, no, it's the same guy. He just has different hair. That's the guy. We're going for that guy. Like, that, that's a that's a field day. If I'm it was a wave player. after wave. It was Tecatito. Then it was Oriel Antuna. Then Linez came on. It's like boom, beeline for Tim Reed <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and that's that's other. where the goal comes from. Is just it's another move down that that uh, Mexico right hand side. Um, Linez kind of carves out a, a decent chance for himself and puts one away to his, to his credit. I didn't think Horvath had much of a chance at it. It was just a really well-placed strike. Yeah, the Linez goal was the nicest goal um, of the night. The, it Cleanest was the, goal. It was yeah, the goaliest sure. goal of yeah, all. Yeah. Um, um, so let's the, let's, let's talk go about these the, other goals. So listen, the, we needed yeah. so so U.S. Mexico is is a time for heroes. This is D Day. I am officially naming this. I've, oh, I thought of a cool idea for what we can call yesterday, D Day. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a moment when. Um, Heroes need to step up. So it, it, the whole game was extremely stressful from a fan perspective. There's a lot of tactical no-nos, uh, a lot of bad things happening. Uh, but what we did see is 
three of this generation of leaders stepped up to the plate. Uh, and the three that the three that scored uh, are, as we know, Gio Reyna, Wes McKenney, and Christian Pulisic. Um, I, talk to me about their performances. So, so, and and I'll just get one out of the way. Uh, one of the leaders we love to talk about out of the way, Dest, didn't have a great game. wasn't set up for success. Second half was basically played as a left midfielder, which doesn't make sense for him, and was subbed out. So, Dest to the side. Uh, heroes of this team: Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic, and Gio Reyna. Ty, how do you how do you rate and compare their their performances? Gio first, I thought, had a, a very effective game. He pouted less than he has in the past. Maybe he felt like this game was up to his standards. His standards. Yeah, yeah. The the opposition was up to his standards. He did a great job dancing around, creating dangerous moments for the U.S., and he, he deserved to, to get the goal. The goal, I'll combine Weston and, and, uh, and Christian a little bit. So both of them, I was underwhelmed by the, the games they were having before the goals that they scored. Weston, uh, I thought he had a lot of good moments in the box, but he just wasn't, he wasn't connecting play the way that I would have wanted. He wasn't dropping into the spots that I would have wanted to see him, and he just wasn't as effective at, uh, at controlling midfield as I wanted to see. But... I was ready to take him off for, for Yunus Musa, and thank God that I wasn't making the decisions because he came through big time um, in the last last uh, last couple minutes with that goal. The thing that I missed about the first goal or didn't really like process is that yes, it's Geo's goal, but it's a Geo tap in, and and it should have been a Pulisic or could have been a Pulisic assist to Weston, which would have dramatically shifted I think everyone's perception of how Pulisic's game was going and how Weston's game was going because in yeah, that first yeah. half. Pulisic had he had very little of the ball, which I think was mostly a tactical problem and a little bit of Mexico targeting him, um, and a little bit of him not you know being more clever and, and more determined at times. But you know they they combined to to lead to that uh, goal, and then the second goal Pulisic is also involved. So basically, any any time there's you know incisive U.S. movement, Pulisic is involved in some fashion to create that opportunity. So I thought, you know, he did ultimately get a goal. He did have kind of a quasi assist to for the geo goal. So the the numbers were kind of there and also his his uh his his movement, his intelligence and his sort of uh game planning in the final third for the team was was vital. And and he won and converted a penalty. So you you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, at the end of the day, these players are going to be rated more for their emotional reactions to the situation yesterday, correct, uh, correct. in this which game we're, than... Which we're all on point. Which we're all on point, yeah. uh, truly. And so we finally saw last night, I think, the resurrection of the American style of soccer. We finally totally saw it. What we saw was, uh, was, was a game that was won uh, psychologically, not with the feet. You know, and we know we can beat teams with defeat moving forward. We have a generation that can play. What we didn't know until yesterday is do we have a generation of leaders? Do we have heroes in here? And so when I see Weston McKenney and Christian both struggling in their own unique ways, um, I, th- I think your point about Christian being more effective than he looked is a really good one. Um, and I feel less so that way about, about Weston. Um, I think he was as effective as he looked. But what I saw from Weston at the near the end of this game was was just pure gold. It was he was 
He was in the ref's face. He was in the, the Mexican team's face. He was doing this notion, chin up motion to his teammates. He yeah. was t- every, yeah. every second he had, he was, he was clowning on the ref somehow. He was like, it was incredible. Somehow. Like the stuff he was doing, I, I wish I would, the amount of money I would pay to have the on-field recordings of what Weston McKenney says throughout a 90 minutes. Oh, my Lanta. Um, he was, he was full on leadership mode. Those are, those are the moments mode. that call on people to, to step up and to, to embrace the situation. And, you know, we, I think you're totally right. We saw kind of a blossoming of, of all these young guys into being able to, to control games, not just being spectators or not, not just being the, the flashy kid who gets thrown in just in case, uh, but truly driving the team forward and truly being counted on. And on the Mexico side, it's worth noting that they, they're sort of in the position that we were at several years ago where they have an Andres Guardado, for instance, who they want, they, they're, they're still reliant on because no one else can provide the same level of leadership that he can, but he's breaking down. He's, he's, his performances can't be at the level that they used to be. And so they're still reliant on a, a number of these, these older players, Hector Moreno and, and uh, yeah, I guess even Ochoa to a degree. Like They're not really getting pushed out of their spot in the same way that going into the last cycle, we had a bunch of veterans who were not getting pushed out of their spot as fast as, as they needed to be. And if I'm a Mexico fan, I'm definitely concerned about last night because when it comes to the, the under-23s, uh, there's no doubt that the U.S. has the, the, better, uh, the better core right now. And, and it, it looks like this could be a potential period of, uh, of advantage for the U.S. over Mexico uh, if we're able to keep this momentum going and keep building the the identity and the style that we saw yesterday. So if I'm a Mexico fan, I'm quite concerned. I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it too. And I'm a U.S. fan, so I'm giddy about it, the situation. Um, but it could have gone very differently last night. So what, does, what do you do now? We've got this friendly coming up. We have, uh, we have, we have generations of U.S.-Mexico to enjoy in the future, hopefully. Um, how do you, if, how do you marshal this team forward to whatever their next step is? What is the, what is the next step for them? And how, and how would you get them there from whatever the fuck just occurred against Mexico? I think it's almost all positive from the game last night. And obviously it could have gone another way. It didn't. The games are, these games are decided on very thin margins. And, you know, our, if our performance was 1% worse, I think we would have lost. So it's not to say that, like, winning cures everything or the fact that we won means that we played great. But I think the, the, the fact that we did win gives us an opportunity to kind of emphasize and appreciate the qualities that led to us pulling away that victory. Which, as you said, as uh, MJ was saying in the in the chat in the uh, live stream yesterday, these kind of games come down so much more to heart than they do to skill. Yeah. So what we saw last night was the the U.S. team embracing that fact that even if you are a highly skilled, you know, great touch, hot housed European super team, you still have to have these matches where it's all about heart. Yeah. It reminded me a great deal of a match from the Russia World Cup, the the uh, the um, Belgium versus Brazil match. I don't know if you remember this one, but it was the, the quarterfinal where where Brazil got knocked out. Belgium reached the semis for the first time, 
And in that match, you had Eden Hazard, you had Kevin De Bruyne, you had Vincent Company, all the all the hits, who combined to play like kind of a scrappy, rough, physical game. That's it broke down a little bit, and you saw Eden Hazard at that time, you know, in his full Chelsea pomp, basically chasing guys down for for ninety minutes and and just doing anything he possibly could to interrupt. Brazil. So the dude, the dude was like influential on offense, coming up with big moments, and then was was sprinting back on D to take the ball off people. And that reminded me of how Christian was playing last night. He wasn't always able to be, uh, you know, dribbling, going at people. He did. He those moments were few and far between. But anytime he was involved, you know, he he was effective in some some way. So I think there's a lot to be taken from that. You know, it it can it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both. We can be physical, we can be aggressive, we can embody those kind of American values, we can score goals off of set pieces, as we did in all three goals yesterday. Mm-hmm. But we can still have great touch, we can still have tactical acumen, in at least in one half. We can still have intelligent movement, we can have you know clever, like, nouveau uh, ideas at play. So I think we we probably need to refine this a little bit. It needs to get it needs to get better from here. But I think we should anything we do we should not sacrifice the level of grit, determination, and just pure desire that we saw last night to win that game. It was pure desire, man, and it's what we love about the sport. There's a reason why the the national team is even more um, like crack cocaine to me than. Uh, the club game and it's for that exact reason like totally what what we see in the national game time and time again in world cups especially but just in general is um, legendary players who have proven that they can be legendary in the in the normal circumstance in the in the structured environment of high level soccer Um, we see players like that names like Eden Hazard like you mentioned or seeing how Neymar or Messi react to being on the national team we see these players who we know can do amazing things put in very difficult, strange, and messy situations in the in the national game, national team game. Um, and I love it because that's when you really get to find out who these people are. We know who these players are. But last night we started to find out who these people are. And I think these people found out who these people is uh, when I'm talking about like Weston McKenney and Pulisic totally. leading this. You just think about this. I was remarking last night when, when this game ended... I was like, this is the best feeling that I have had from this team probably since our game versus Belgium in the World Cup where we played so well and almost right, won. Right, or going back in that World Cup to the game against Ghana. I mean, To the game against Ghana. So, it's been, what is that, seven years since we've had like a, a, a flagship victory? Yes. And we've had to endure going out of two consecutive Olympics and a World Cup in between. Three consecutive Olympics and a World Cup in between. So if you're... It's so painful. It's it's been horrible. But if you trace back Pulisic's experience from going out against Trinidad, walking into the shower with his entire uniform on, wondering why isn't my friend Tyler here? uh, And then if you trace that to this this, this moment where he has the penalty kick that he smashes home, um, and just think about... bins. Top bins... Just think about the the growth as a human being that we're getting to witness. It's it's totally. an incredible and beautiful thing. 
Um, and even if this is the new normal, if players of this caliber are going to continue happening and the U.S.'s pipeline is going to stay this strong, I I got to say that, that at this point, this is a golden generation for me. Like this is this these we are never going to replace a moment like this in U.S. soccer history. Gio Reyna scoring in front of, against Mexico in front of his parents, the U.S. being the better team on paper, the worst team on the day and then finding a way to win in a final I mean, this type of shit is not going to repeat again. And we are always going to look back on this, I think. No matter what happens with this program, no matter how far this goes, we're always going to look back on this moment as as something really, really special. Um, to, to see these specific players turn this program around in the way that they have over the past couple years to gain their own critical mass together within the group, within each other, and then to, to, to begin to blossom into leaders that can actually impose their will on this game in the, in the most intense and highest stakes moments possible. That we're, we're, the fact that we're getting to witness that is, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's really yes. special. And I, I think there is a genuine value to bringing a guy like a Michael Bradley or a Josie Altidore in order to pass a torch but there is also a lot of value in just throwing these kids out there and making them do it. Yeah. Figure you know, it out. And they, they proved it was a risk, but you know, last night they proved that, that they were ready, uh, both from a skill perspective and from a leadership and, and, and drive perspective as well. And it's something that, um, you know, I think the U S sport sports public reacts very well to like this game I have I have some plans for like a little highlight reel with us and the game. I hope to get that out sometime this week because this to me is like if if you could just boil this down into like five minutes of tape and just show this to people like this is what we want to see in a U.S. game. This is why we're so into this. This is why this you know gets us so hype because every now and then you get a game like this that has absolutely everything. It's some of the greatest entertainment I've I've ever experienced. And we came out ahead of our biggest rival with essentially a youth team. I mean, it's 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 really special. And I think any any fan of the United States as a nation, any fan of sports, will appreciate the spectacle from last night. I yes. hope that the, a European audience you, also is waking up to these highlights and being like, "Oh shit! That that's that was surreal. that game's lit." Yeah, that game was crazy. Um, yeah, if you if you enjoy things like food, water, <laughs> uh, like you know, Air. Bir- birthday parties or not, I, you know, if you enjoy things like that, you're gonna enjoy the experience of watching a game like this. I, Ty, I hope you do have a chance to to get the highlight reel of us freaking out throughout this thing. It was absurd. What a night! Um, what a night! We're cruising to the finish here. But we're going to basically be so talking about this conversation. This We, this game we breathe. So now we breathe. And what, what next? So the U.S. is going on. We've got, there's more games. Just when you thought the Nats were, you know, over for now. Think again. Wednesday, we got a friendly against Costa Rica. I think it is our only friendly tune-up prior to the Gold Cup. I believe the Gold Cup is a new roster. And I'm not sure if they're going to have to announce the roster before Wednesday or if they can do the game on Wednesday and then announce the Gold Cup roster. But there are some players in camp like Daryl DK, uh, Eunice Musa, who did not see the field, um, who were either not in the Nations League squad or just 
didn't play, and they really, really need to play against Costa Rica on Wednesday so that we can get a good look at where they're at. So I, I fully expect to see a, a you know substantially changed side. You'll see a lot of chances for some of the guys who are on the fringes. You know maybe Brooks would sit, for instance, and let Miazga play with yeah, with God, McKenzie. Please sit, Brooks. that kind of thing. So Brooks so I Brooks it, needs a nap, man. Get that guy a massage. I've watched a lot of friendlies and I'm I'm sick of them, but this one I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to again because we've gotten to see what the first team really looks like, um, even with some Burhalter weirdsies. And so we'll get to see kind of what, what the level is. If, if Tim, Tim Weah, for instance, gets to go 90, um, if Daryl DK gets to go 90, what can they actually provide uh, for this team? And is there, is there a dimension that they can add that's been missing from, from what we've been able to put on the field? Yeah, some tells me the answer is yes. So join us. Uh, are we going to do fan cam for Costa Rica? Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Join us live for fan cam. Wednesday night at uh, 7. Let us know what you think about the fan cam thing, guys. We're trying to figure it out. Like, do you want us to, do you want to, like, do, should we all mute the actual broadcast and just kind of like chat? Should we consider ourselves your only audio during the game? Or, or, or last, the way we did it in this Mexico game was more like we're listening with you to the broadcast and reacting to it. So we're figuring it out, but let us know if you have any opinions about that. Uh, stick with us on the YouTube for Insta shows all the time. That's where you can get the shows quickest, and then um, you'll see them in your, your podcast feed nicely mixed and edited. Anything else for the folks here on uh, this game? I never want it to end, but we got it. We have to end this conversation sometime. I never want it to end either. I mean, this was... I just... I, you know, maybe it's, it's interesting because it's like part of why it's so great is that it's rare, like a World Cup. These, these are the moments, though, that these are the, the high leverage moments that create fans and yeah. create uh, devotion in fans to, yeah. to a team. I'm, I'm going to remember this game the rest of my life as the, the, the coming out party for this new generation. Whatever happens, whether they fulfill their promise or not, we're always going to have this moment where they, they came away with an improbable victory in an improbable way by showing qualities we didn't know that they had. Yes, I think the team the team changed more in that hundred and thirty minutes of soccer than in the prior year preparing for it. There there was a, a demonstrative shift in the the attitude and the the ability of the players to to control the situation that you you can't practice for. You have to experience. So I have a lot of confidence in this team. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in Greg Berhalter, but I know he's going nowhere. But what I I do think is that the the this generation of players will have the wherewithal to correct mistakes that Burhalter is making and give feedback and be be proactive about uh, about making sure that we're able to execute because I don't think they want to waste this chance either. They've all seen tournaments get taken away from them. They've all had uh, had those those rotten feelings watching another team celebrate victories at the US's expense and I think they're they're out for blood and they are just raring to go. So it's it, 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 it I couldn't be more excited about the future of this team. It's so so wonderful to watch and really looking forward to a gold cup to hopefully see them uh, lift another trophy. Hell yeah dog. I wanna I wanna see a way start. I wanna see an Aronson start in this friendly. I wanna see some DK. You know what I'm saying? I had a, a friend of mine in real life say Daryl Dyke. I'm real life. This actually happened. It's incredible. Um, okay. 
I I like so, I like so many things, guys. Oh, it's all the things. It's all the things Pitch that invasions. I like. Okay. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Camo yes. tuxes. Yes, I love camo tuxes. I love fish invaders. I love uh, beer on the field. I love parents crying for their for their at special moments during their kids' lives. I love people uh, being reprimanded and ignoring the rules. I <laughs> love it. I love it when uh, it's difficult to tell how many players are, remain on the field. I love it when stoppage times goes from seven minutes to 20 minutes for some reason. I love it when uh, everyone stops being able to predict what's going to happen and starts just living in the moment. Yes. But I don't love any of that stuff. As much as yes. I absolutely love the Nats. Great baby. job, boys. Oh, you made us so proud. Oh. We're proud. Soft clap, soft clap. Soft clap, soft clap. Oh, it's been so long. It's We the Peeps. It's We the Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps.